Well, good morning again, everybody. Glad that you're here today as we continue on in this series, and I couldn't help but chuckle a couple times back there. Uh, Baby Ruth, of course, and then as Mike, I don't know, maybe had some foreshadowing. Lord, just give him the words to say as we're talking about prophecy today. It's kind of an interesting twist. And you know, I wanted to start off with some jokes this morning. I haven't done that in a while. I found quite a few good ones. And the thought came to my mind um, that the material that we're going over is not a joking matter. It's not something that we should take light of, especially as it's something that is a struggle for some of us to understand. And as I was getting that sense this week, you know, to me, for me, if that wasn't something prophetic, I don't know what else would be. Because I love to joke when I'm breathing, you know. I love to share jokes. I love to make people laugh. And, you know, to get that sense, such a strong impression in my heart this week about what we're going to be talking about in terms of the gift of prophecy. You know, and as we begin, um, I found this definition from one of my dictionaries on biblical terms that I wanted to share with you guys. Maybe. Sorry, Paul. Good. And it says about prophecy, it is, it consists of a word or oracle given or revealed by God through the initiative and inspiration of the Holy Spirit and conveyed by a willing medium or participant, sometimes designated as a prophet or as one who prophesies. A prophecy is given in order to meet one or more needs within the Christian community for guidance and direction, edification, encouragement, consolation, or witness. And it ultimately points back to the one who gives the gift. You know, when we think of, when we see that definition, it looks like it's a mouthful. It's saying quite a bit of stuff within it, but I think it covers pretty well the New Testament understanding of what a prophecy or prophet does. You know, and our understandings of prophecy lean very heavily on the Old Testament prophets, our understanding of what they are speaking about and the examples that they give. So as we go through this topic, again, um, these topics are much deeper than what we can get into in a Sunday morning in a week, but hopefully as we cover some of these issues, some of these passages, we're able to dive a little bit deeper into it and meet with the Father there. So let me open us up with prayer this morning. Father, again, as we come before you, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and minds, that you would continue to give us a passion, a drive, and a desire to know your word, to know your truths. Um, And as we come before you today, Lord, we're mindful of who you are and what you have done for us. And I pray that as you do speak to us through your word, through each other, Lord, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, that portion says simply to another prophecy. Um, If you want to turn over to 1 Corinthians, we're actually going to be in more in chapter 14 than we will 12 for this lesson, and we've got a few other scriptures that we can bounce around with. Um, I'll have most of them up on the, the screen for us, uh, so we can kind of camp out there in chapter 14. 
Now, we had talked about the office of the prophet when we went through the offices in Ephesians 4, um, and that was a, a little while back. As we talked about that, it's going to be a little bit of a background for this message. Now, I know that all of you have steel traps for minds, and you can remember every single word from that sermon. So, But just for those that are new, that might not have been there for this, let me just kind of review what we talked about that week. You know, we talked about a lot of things with that office. We talked about how many times um, we believe when we're talking about prophet, it's talking about predicting the future. And that was actually a minor thing of what the prophets did. We talked about how with Luther and Calvin, they interpreted, interpreted the office as the gift of preaching only and how that kind of stuck with the church today. And we kind of landed where a prophet was someone who was the mouthpiece of God. They spoke the words that God told them to speak. They went to the people to give the message of God as it was given. Um, and you know, but we understand that there is struggling within our understanding of prophecy and prophet. One author that I read this week put the dispute this way. He said, this old dispute as to whether prophecy is best described as foretelling, which is preaching, or foretelling, which is predictive, has obscured the more basic character of prophecy as inspired speech, words given as from without, meaning by the spirit, and not consciously formulated by the mind. So, you know, as I've shared with you guys before, with my style, I tend to think of my style of preaching as more as being a teacher. Um, and you know, when I develop messages and things like that, through the week the Spirit is impressing different passages to use, different directions to go with the topic as I'm in prayer over this. And usually I will write out a transcript uh, for my messages. This is to try to keep myself in line with time constraints and articulation concerns. Because when you get off into the weeds, an hour goes by before you know it. Even with the transcript, an hour can go by before you know it. But you know, um, I tried to keep a hold of 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. Um, when I'm thinking about this type of a subject, this verse says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. You know, as I said, in every message, I will wander from my transcript where the Spirit says, go here. That's where I tend to go. So there will be times where it does get off into the weeds a little bit. Last week, I was so graciously critiqued by someone here, and they shared with me, you said um or uh ten times. And my reply to that was, as I am going off into the weeds, sometimes I then go back to my transcript, find a spot where I'm right about there, and I say, uh, here, go. And then I continue on. And then later I figure out, you know what? I missed a point that I read over. But you know, as time goes on and you get used to those types of things, you understand how the Spirit still uses that. The Spirit uses what's said in the person's life, and you begin to put your trust in that aspect of it. You know, when you give a message, there's always going to be human elements that are involved. 
You know, there can absolutely be agendas where pastors can get up and try to convince a congregation this is the right way to believe because I believe it. You know, as I give different messages, as we break down passages, we want to look at what the Word of God says. We want to understand that that is our authority and that's what we come back to. Especially within this series, usually then I give my understanding of this. And I will give some opposing understandings of interpretations so that we can continue to wrestle with the scriptures to where we're applying it to our lives in a healthy way and not down a road that might be in in an unhealthy circumstance. Understanding how we continue to press deeper in what the word of God says. You know, as we go through that, we understand we're not always gonna have the most perfect explanations All of the answers, there's mysteries that we're still trying to figure out. We're also trying to understand that, you know, we're going to come down in different areas, different shades of the different spectrums that we see. You know, and as I as I mentioned last last week or a couple weeks ago with healing, prophecy is one of those gifts where for the most part there's not much controversy to it if a person believes that it's just preaching. It's when you add that predictive element into it, then some controversy gets added into this gift and people can come down on different areas. But we'll talk about that in a moment. So let's continue to review this gift a little bit and break down some of these passages um, and this gift. You know, we have books in the Old Testament that are written by the prophets. You have the books of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings that talk about the prophets of the Old Testament. And we can see what they did. We can see different events that they have. Um, we can see different levels of validation and affirmation in the word for prophecy and what a prophet does. But when we look at this gift, we have to ask the question, what is the gift of prophecy? What does it do? What is the purpose behind it? You know, when we look at the examples, prophecy can be something very showy. Something like Elijah versus the 400 prophets of Baal, where fire is coming down from heaven and lighting up the the water-drenched wood. Or it could be something very subtle, like Ananias in Acts chapter 9, where he is called by God to go find this man named Saul and give him this message. There's not a lot of fanfare to it. It's just, go do this. It's very subtle. Um, So we should see how we shouldn't be limiting how prophecy from the Lord comes about. Now, there are limitations. There are boundaries, and we'll get into that. Um, Go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians 14, if you're not already there. Now, we will cover this section when we actually get to it in the series, but especially with prophecy and tongues, we'll kind of camp out in this chapter a little bit because it speaks quite a bit about those gifts. But in 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to begin in the first verse. It says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. 
Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now just a linguistic note. When you see the S in there, it's prophesy. When it's a C, it's prophecy. Just so as I go back and forth, you kind of understand how I'm using that. So with this passage, we see quite a bit of what Paul is saying. We see a combination of of prophecy and tongues that he's speaking to. And you have to remember the context. He's speaking to a church who is divided. And they are divided for multiple reasons. But concerning the gifts, this church is elevating the gift of tongues. And they are making this the best. Whereas as we've been studying, the gifts by heart are supposed to bring unity, not division. It is unity in the spirit as everyone is using their gifts together. We also want to remember that when we're reading the Bible, chapters, chapter breaks are great, subheadings are wonderful, they help us keep along uh, with what's going on, but context is usually key. When we go back up to the end of chapter 13, that last verse says, so now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And really when you take all of chapter 13 as a whole and the emphasis that it puts on love, love is like the linchpin to the gifts in terms of how to understand them, how they are done in love, the agape form of love, where we are sharing the graces of God with one another in love. And then Paul, as he starts out chapter 14, says to pursue love, to earnestly desire the gifts, especially prophecy. Prophecy is important. Prophet is second to the apostle in, in the gifts in 1228 of 1 Corinthians. And remember, he is, he's writing to this church, to this this ordinary church, not apostolic. There's no apostles that are here. He's writing to ordinary people who are broken, who are divided, who are disunified. I just made that word up. Who are unorderly when it comes to how they're worshiping. He is telling them, eagerly desire the gifts, especially prophecy. This eagerly desire, this pursue, they are imperatives, they are commands. And if that's not enough for them, at the end of this chapter, in verse 39, he repeats this call. In verse 39, he says, So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So we see this importance attached to prophecy. We can also see what it's used for, the purpose within this passage, right? As we look in verse 3, we see it is for the bodies, the churches, upbuilding, for their encouragement and for their consolation. For Paul, he is putting such an emphasis on this gift to where he would understand that the message of of a true prophet was a product of the Spirit. It wasn't one of somebody's intuition, their research, their study, but rather it was a special revelation. It's a message that is directly from the Holy Spirit. It is a gift. A thought that's entirely convicting for somebody that gets up here to speak each week. 
His thoughts here of how this is a gift from the Holy Spirit is backed up by Peter as he says this in 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 20. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now that's your main focus of that teaching. He continues in chapter 2, he says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So here, when we're thinking about prophecy, Peter is talking about Scripture. He is talking about how we can trust Scripture, that it is God's Word, that we can put our full faith in that, that it's divinely inspired, that it has authority in the life of a believer because it comes from God and not from man. He also goes into these warnings, Warnings we'll get into near the end of our passage, or end of our message. As we look at verse 3, I'll go backwards for that one. As we look at verse 3 of chapter 14, you know, you look at how we're pursuing these gifts, and you look at the purposes. He gets a lot deeper with his purposes. Now, we also want to acknowledge in Paul's heart and mind, he does not dismiss the predictive utterances of prophecy as well. We have multiple examples of that in the New Testament. You have the prophet Agabus, who we talked about before, uh, beginning in Acts eleven twenty-seven, it says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So we see how um, the leaders of the, the young church, you see Barnabas and Saul being mentioned, believe these words coming from Agabus, and they take up a collection to send to Jerusalem understanding that a famine was going to be coming along the way. And then later in chapter 21, still with Agabus, we've read over this um, a while back, it says, While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. If you recall, you had all the other disciples that were around saying, no, we don't want this to happen. Paul, run away, flee, and all this other stuff. And Paul says, if this is what the Lord wants, this is what the Lord wants. You know, he's not rejecting this type of predictive prophecy. He understands that Agabus is a prophet of God. You know, prophecy to Paul in verse 3 of chapter 14, it would include upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. It was upbuilding, meaning it was edifying to where you are speaking things to one another to spiritually improve one another. It was encouraging, 
where it is um, inciting desires, it is eagerly advising, it is making exhortations, admonitions, warnings in order to spur people on in the faith and in their trust of God. And the consolation is about comfort, um, consoling one another. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, so even if you struggle to understand this gift, to understand what prophecy looks like or what it means, I think that we can understand how God can still use people in these ways with these purposes to build up his church as Paul gives the, the purpose of the gift of prophecy. And as I said before, much of the American church anyway, uh, within that there is still this belief to say that the gift of prophecy is someone preaching the word of God only. Now, I would say that that in itself will have a can of worms that we'll get into as we get into 1 Corinthians 14. Um, just things that we have to wrestle with, with that type of understanding. Um, as I said before, with my giftings, I feel like I am more of a teacher in how I give a message. And as I am studying for the messages, um, you come across some different quotes here and there that really challenge you. And I came across this one, I think it was when I was studying for the office of the prophet. And it says this, it says, teaching preserves continuity, but prophecy gives life. So with teaching, a community will not die, but without prophecy, it will not live. You see, prophecy is an infusion of the Spirit speaking the words of God through people. Now, that could have a lot of different forms. That could be just straight reading the word of God. I get that. But what do we think of when it is speaking about different events for today? How do we understand prophecy for today? Let me give you a few examples. What about all of the warnings with America right now? America going to fail as a nation because we are walking away from God. Is that prophecy? The principles are rooted in Scripture. Seems like history is repeating itself from what happened with Israel, and we're treating the same thing as going on with America. Is that prophecy? You know, I find that many of us are afraid of the term prophecy because we think that it, that it leads to new revelation and the canon is closed. So does prophecy equal new revelation or is it simply speaking the truth of God? Now, definitely agree, the canon is closed. But at the same time, I wanna push us a little bit in our understandings of how we view prophecy and understanding this gift. Let me give you another example. We pray for things all of the time, right? Do you ever get an answer for your prayer? If you get an answer for your prayers, is that God speaking to you? Is that new revelation? 
some of the finer things that you have to kind of think about when we go down this road. Does that answer equate Scripture as the Word of God? I love the uncomfortable, awkward silences because I want you to wrestle with these types of thoughts. Here's how I understand this for now. Scripture is Scripture. It is the authoritative Word of God which is living and active, meaning it's not just some book that sits on your mantle and God is just some far-off, distant being. He is intimately involved in his creation. He has given us his Holy Spirit. You know, I think of all of the promptings in my life from the Spirit that happen on a weekly basis where I'd be lost if I didn't have him guiding me to where He is nudging me or prompting me, whatever type of word you want to use, you need to pray for this person. You need to talk to this person. You need to ask this person this question. You need to include this in your messages. You need to go over here with this passage. And as he is leading me by the Spirit, as God is giving me those words, I don't view them as Scripture. I view them as his Spirit working through me, confirming what Scripture says. Understanding how I can be used by God to to glorify him. And in those moments, it comes down to me obeying or disobeying what the word of God says. So I, I absolutely believe that we can get words, phrases, scriptures from the Lord to upbuild, encourage, and console one another. Predictively warn? Hmm. Again, that's kind of where we draw some lines every now and then. So let's put up some boundary markers. Let's talk about some of these limitations. You know, as I have continued through this series, I have become more and more aware of how the gifts work together in such strong ways and how some of these gifts really go hand in hand. For instance, the gift of faith. It too goes well with prophecy. We've talked about it in the last few weeks, how faith goes with healing, how it goes with miracles, but it also goes with prophecy. Now, if you recall, when we went over the gifts of Romans 12, we skipped over the gift of prophecy because I wanted to cover it as we were going through it here in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, But this is what it says about prophecy in Romans 12, 6. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. So as you look at this gift, obviously it's the first gift mentioned in the list, so it again shows some different importance that's being drawn out in 1 Corinthians 14. But you see the importance of faith. You know, prophecy, a prophet, um, it is not governed by emotions, it is not governed by selfish ambitions, Um, gain or pride. It's not governed by a love of somebody hearing themselves talk, but by the entire dependence on the Spirit of God. Paul, again, he doesn't discount the predictive, but his main emphasis would be on the communication of revealed truth that would convict people, that would build them up. And it is revealed in, by, with, through faith. So prophecy is done according to the measure of faith. 
The other gift that, this pro- that prophecy is tied to is the gift of discernment. And it's, again, tied, I think, very heavily to that. And it goes back to the days of Moses. Um, in that time, God kind of lays out how prophets are, are to be and how people are to judge and weigh prophets. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse 17, And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I will myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you... And if you uh, say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So when we see how the, the scriptures teach this, God is very clear. You do not need to be afraid of prophecy. You do not need to be afraid of this prophet because you would be so in tune and understand what the word of God is. A couple other passages in the New Testament that deal with this. 1 Thessalonians 5.20 Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. So we do not despise them. We don't reject them. We don't quench the spirit as it says in 5.19. But we hold fast To what is good. And then in 1 John 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So faith is needed. And discernment is needed when dealing with prophecies. Because as Peter, as Paul, as Jesus, and many other authors warned, there will be false prophets and false teachers among you. So you have tools to deal with them. You have an understanding to deal with them. You know, when we think of the whole of prophecy, it was pretty comprehensive in Paul's mind. Meaning it wasn't restricted to specific things. Because he would be testing them. You know, he says this in, um, in chapter 14, verse 29 of 1 Corinthians. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. You know, this is instructions that he is giving on orderly worship. What would church look like if two or three people are sharing from what the Lord is speaking to them that week? And right away, that message is weighed. It is judged. It is tested. What if our style of how we do church changes to where it's more engaging rather than just me talking for 40 minutes? You know, being a pastor, I'm kind of ruined to when I listen to other messages. As I listen to other messages, I, in a 
weird type of critique where I'm thinking this is where I would go, this is the passage I would use, I would insert a joke here, this is who I would look at for this part, all of that kind of stuff. You know, but when you think about how Paul is saying this, what would it look like? You know, I I know that every time that I speak, you are all judging, weighing, critiquing what I am saying. But what if the quiet part was said out loud? Pastors have pretty thin skin. <laughs> but at the same time, it puts a new t- take on how iron sharpens iron. Understanding how we can grow together to where it's not so centralized upon a pastor, but instead centralized on Jesus to where we are united in using our gifts to glorify and praise him rather than focus on one person giving a message, but instead growing together. Giving a message, man, you have to prepare a lot. You you grow as you study the word of God. If you're leading a Sunday school class or a Bible study, you do the most growth in your study and your prep time. If you're just coming to consume and just hear something, You'll take in some bits and pieces, but it's not necessarily putting in that extra work that comes about when we are studying in that way. So here's the kind of the crux of the matter when it comes to prophecy. First, we should not be afraid of prophecy, not be afraid to hear them, meaning if someone says the Lord has given me a word about Harvest Alliance Church, we can and should listen to it. But then do what the scriptures say. Test it. Weigh it to what scripture says. Does it line up? If it's predictive, look to whether it comes to pass. You know, you think of the prophecies in the Old Testament, the predictions that are made in the Bible. Many prophecies, so you think of when Jesus was born versus the times of Isaiah. Four, 800 years, 1,200 years before Jesus comes before those prophecies are fulfilled. In that meantime, how is that a trusted prophet? Because only if it comes to pass will you know if it's of God. Well, you have other prophecies that were made in the short term to where that person became, yep, he speaks for God. I can tell that he speaks for God because it lines up with Scripture, it lines up with what God wants versus the king. You think about predictions that are made today. You know, in in the Bible, you had prophets that were around the king telling him what he wanted to hear. They were labeled false prophets. Today, most recently, I would say many pastors, not pastors that would do this type of thing, prophesied that Trump was going to win the election. How'd that work out for him? Some of them repented. Some of them showed remorse. Others doubled down and said, well, maybe it's 2024. That's when he's going to win. It's very similar to like the Seventh-day Adventists. Jesus is coming back in this field in this year. Oh, wait, no, not, I got the years wrong. I did the math wrong. It's actually next year. We can recognize false prophecies. You know, with as much as Paul is encouraging people to prophecy. 
You have to understand that his security is solely in Christ and Christ alone. He was pointing people back to God, Christ's kingdom, to glorify him. He wasn't pointing people to a particular political party, but to Christ. That's where the focus needs to be. Secondly, I think that we need to understand the gift of prophecy for the purposes that are described in 1 Corinthians 14, to build up, to encourage, and to comfort. From my experience, there is nothing quite like being able to be used by God in, in strong ways, where the Spirit gives you verses to say he's leading you to be able to speak wisdom and grace into another person's life. It is so upbuilding to be able to do those types of things. This is done with all faith and discernment and how the Spirit is leading you in those individual moments of what to do and what to say. And the way that it's described for us today, I want to encourage you all in that you are already doing this a lot in your life in terms of encouraging, building up, and consoling. You just might not call it prophecy, but you are being used by the Spirit as His hands and feet to share Scripture with one another, to give an encouraging note, to, to build each other up with the purposes of growing closer to the Lord. You know, it, like I said before, sometimes with prophecy, you'll have images in the Bible where it is all kinds of fanfare, fire coming down from heaven. It's like, wow. But most of the times you see it, and it's the subtle things, like Ananias and Saul, where there's not a lot of fanfare, where it's just between them. You know, we as believers have been given the grace of God, and we are not to store that away. We're not to keep it hidden, but we are to let our light shine among others so that they can see our good deeds and praise our Heavenly Father in heaven as Matthew 5 tells us. Through our actions, through our words, that is how it's being done. And God will use each of us as we are able, in proportion to our faith, according to the measure of our faith. So again, that might just be you sharing a scripture that the Lord has on your heart. That might be sharing, hey, I'm getting from the Lord that you are struggling and I need to pray for you. Is it okay if I pray for you? It could be a warning. Hey, church, we're going the wrong way. And we need to get back to the ways of the Lord. As with all of the gifts, they are given as the Spirit wills. And we need to be open and ready to be used by the Spirit if he calls upon us to do so, to be his hands and feet in this area. So again, perhaps scratching the surface with this topic. Maybe today you're sitting there thinking, oh, this is giving me a bunch to think about. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, the Lord has placed a lot on my heart and I can't wait to share. Order, patience, because the Spirit is not going to contradict, the Spirit is not going to bring confusion into a body of worship. Rather, everything would be done for the glory of God. The gifts of the Spirit bring unity not division. So we need to see how we are being united or divided on these fronts. We need to spend time in prayer, understanding what the Lord has called us to, the grace that we have been given, and the ability that we have to share with others. 
because it's needed in this world. We understand it. We know it. Are we ready to be used by God for it? Let's pray. Father, as we continue in this series, again, just scratching the surface in a lot of areas, I pray that you would continue to open up our hearts to your truths, that we would dive into what your word says. Lord, that we would recognize those moments that we have comforted, that we have encouraged, and that we've built each other up, and that we can claim victories in those, understanding how you have used us, Lord, because that, that bolsters our faith, that helps us to grow in you versus the deceptions and the lies that the enemy might be trying to espouse about us, about being worthless or having different fears. Lord, you are above all things. And as, as your children, Lord, what a blessing it is to be able to be used by you, to draw others closer to you through your truth, through your words. So I pray that you would help us to hear those promptings of your spirit and that you would help us to obey in those moments, whether it's to send an encouraging note or card or to have a conversation with somebody. Lord, we're all struggling in different ways. We all need more and more of your grace each and every day. So help us to build each other up, to be encouraging, to not be focused on our own selfish gains, but on glorifying and magnifying you because you are the central figure within this body. We praise you for the salvation that we have received. May we have a heart to live it out well. In Jesus' name we pray.